Let's pray together. Gracious God, it is good to gather with your people. It is like dew on a mountain. It is like oil, anointing oil, flowing down the beard of Aaron the priest. Here, as we gather together, we are reminded that we are your people and that you call us to be your church in the world. And so we thank you for the gift of worshiping together. And we pray for our children and our youth as they uh, go to bond with one another and to remember together that they belong to you and that they too are called for the purposes of love in this world. And as uh, those of us who stay here look deep into your word, uh, we pray humbly and earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable and even pleasing in your sight, our rock, our redeemer, the one whom we need. In Christ's name, amen. Let's dismiss our children and youth. We're going to miss you. Uh, while they're leaving, let me just say for those of you who, uh, maybe many of you have been gone this summer, um, I am back for one week and uh, then I'll be back again after Labor Day, but uh, it's been a busy week. I've been working with your staff and lay leaders. We had a staff planning, planning day, um, preparing for the fall and preparing for the call of your next pastor, which um, should be in sight. Uh, but we are, I urge you all to continue to pray for your nominating committee, those who are working, uh, vetting candidates, and really seeking to discern the next person who will be your pastor. Um, I have a little mantra for preparing sermons, and it's um, creativity is subtraction. I can't promise that I've subtracted enough today. There is so much to say about this topic, and thank you, Miriam, for suggesting that we look at Hebrews 11 all summer and delve into the topic of faith. Faith, what it means to live by faith. Um, there are so many things to explore, and I know that each of us has only touched on it. Um, I have not been here, so um, I don't know, but I would love, and this is not rhetorical, if any of you are willing to say just in a sentence or a word, maybe something that's, because what we've been doing, for those of you who haven't been here, is looking through Hebrews 11, uh, this wonderful passage, I'm going to read portions of it, that says what faith is and then commends those who lived by faith. And uh, different preachers have been uh, exploring the different characters named in that passage. Anybody, uh, anything uh, you remember that, um, that struck you, that maybe was a reminder to you, or a new thought, or something you've been pondering? Anybody? Come on. Yes. Oh, Ryan, I thought you raised your hand. <laughs> Now, I know some, where are my elders? Because we talked about this in worship. So, uh, Mark, what did you say? Look at, I'm calling on my elders. I'm just gonna put them on the spot.
Okay, so by faith is not a once and for all deal, but it's something that's constant and constantly needs to be renewed. Anybody else? Jess? Okay, so faith involves forward-looking and kind of a vision of what isn't there yet. Anybody else? Okay, so uh, again, just um, things to think about. I want to read um, passages from Hebrews, this Hebrews passage. I'm really cutting, I'm, I'm not reading the whole thing because I want to emphasize a few things. And I know that um, Sam Henderson preached on Moses, uh, talked about how Moses, and in this passage that talks about Moses giving up his privilege in order to serve others who were suffering. Um, and this is called Moses the Prequel, because it's about maybe how exactly, where did Moses first determine or discern his call? So this is uh, from Hebrews 11. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and conviction about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And I've kind of boiled it down to just kind of the verbs. By faith, we understand. By faith, Abel brought. By faith, Enoch was taken. By faith, Abraham obeyed and went. By faith, Isaac blessed. By faith, Jacob blessed. By faith, Joseph spoke. By faith, Moses' parents hid him. By faith, Moses himself, and this is, uh, we're focusing a little bit on Moses today, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose rather to share the burden of God's people over enjoying the temporary advantages of alliance with a sinful nation. By faith, he led the exodus from Egypt. He defied the king's anger with the strength that came from obedience to the invisible God. By faith, Rahab welcomed. And what other examples shall I give? There's simply not time to continue by telling the stories of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, Samuel, and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, escaped the edge of the sword, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames. Others, by faith, were tortured faced jeers and flogging, chains and imprisonment, were put to death, killed by the sword, went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated, wandered as refugees in the deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. And from Exodus 3, Hold on, I've got it here somewhere. All right, I've got part of it. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock beyond the wilderness and came to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I must turn aside 
and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw Moses had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. The word faith, I wonder what it means to you. One great theologian put it this way, there's hardly a word in the religious language, both theological and popular, which is subject to more misunderstandings, distortions, and questionable definitions than the word faith. Words are funny like that, right? Sometimes we just take for granted that everybody's sharing the same meaning. There's a word like that between my husband and I that I wanted to give you a little story about. It's kind of funny. Uh, but sometimes uh, you become aware that people don't mean the same thing you do when they say a word. And the way they use the word is actually what gives us clues as to what it means to them. So we had been married um, a couple of years, and it dawned on me that the word sweetheart from Joe actually didn't mean something affectionate. <laughs> it meant dummy. So it's kind of like, you know, um, someone's having a discussion about uh, American history, and, and they mention someone who everyone should know. And I say, wait, I don't know who that person is. Sweetheart. Or we're navigating a trip, and I'm in the navigator's seat, and, you know, I forgot to tell him to turn. Sweetheart. So let's think about that with the word faith. How is the word faith used? How do we talk about faith in our everyday lives? Have you ever heard someone reflecting in a spirit of concern and compassion on a seemingly irresponsible or irrational decision of someone they know and love? They seem confused and perplexed by this person's lack of planning and forethought, but not wanting to be judgmental. They say, I guess they just have more faith than me. I guess they're just going on faith. And this is really code for, there's no other explanation for such foolish and senseless behavior. Now, make no mistake about it. Sometimes faith is expressed in seemingly unreasonable ways. It's a lot like what Pascal said about love. It has its reasons that reason knows not. But sometimes there's a fine line between faith and foolhardiness. And what might be faith for one person is actually just an abdication of responsibility for another. Or I wonder if you've ever heard this, someone is hoping that a certain thing will work out for them or for someone they love. Getting a job being healed, passing a test, improving a relationship. And they'll say, I know, I just have to have faith. 
And sometimes, if you listen deeper, it's actually code for, I have to believe that things are going to go my way. Now, envisioning a world of wholeness and healing and thriving for ourselves and all God's children can be an act of faith. It is an act of faith. But notice in our passage that any theology that claims things will always go well for those who live by faith is negated. Some escape, but some don't. But they are all commended for living by faith. And while faith does give us the comfort that in the end love will win, faith is not numbing ourselves to the needs around us. Because sometimes you might hear faith this way, what people see injustices or things not right in the world. Well, I just have to have faith God's going to work things out. Yes, love is going to win, and faith does believe that. But when we interpret it in such a way that it means we are abdicated from responsibility to actually doing something to thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we are no better than what Karl Marx claimed us to be. The sigh of the oppressed creature, he called religion. The heart of a heartless world. The soul of a soulless condition. The opium of the people. Shame on us when in the name of faith we ignore human suffering. Read Hebrews 11 again this week. Faith does not seem to be expressed in ignoring human suffering. That being said, sometimes... Faith does mean taking a step back, being still, waiting for a word. Sometimes people will hear about a friend or a family member who has begun to question deeply held tenets of their own faith. And you might hear them say, they're just so overthinking it. I wish they could just have faith. And it's code for abandoning their own intellectual integrity, for digging deep into certain doctrines or traditions. Again, yes, faith sometimes has its reason that reason knows not, but Using faith as an excuse to not question, to not, to be afraid, to dig deeper into our faith. I don't think that's what the scripture tells us. So the line between faith and mindless forging ahead or fearful passivity or hard-hearted certainty can be very thin. And then, of course, there is always the temptation to call our own foolishness faith and someone else's faith foolishness. So what is faith according to our passage? Faith is the assurance of what is hoped for 
And that's not the assurance that things are going to go our way necessarily, but it is the assurance, as the passage later says, that the God who is our source and our destiny is ultimately good and benevolent and intends good for us and all creation. It's the assurance of that hope and the conviction of things unseen. So what does it mean to live by faith? What is that? Now we've been looking at all of these characters, but today I just want to look at Moses and think about what what it was like for Moses to live by faith. And here's the thing. I know that some of you were here when Sam preached about Moses' expression of faith was to give up his privilege. But let's remember Moses' story. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's house. We don't know how Moses knew he was actually a Hebrew. there's There's no indication of that in the story. But he knew. Now, eventually, he leverages his own story for leading the Hebrews out of oppression, leading them to freedom. But where did that call, where did Moses first discern that that was his calling, to leverage his privilege on behalf of others? Um, You may remember his story when, when he, the scene we read today where he encounters the burning bush, it's not, he's not living in Pharaoh's palace. He's not living the life of ease. He is a shepherd. He is a hard-working guy, taking care of his father-in-law's flock. He ran away because he had killed someone and other people knew, and he was afraid that he would be killed. So is that his, his calling isn't there. He's just been running in fear so far. And uh, he doesn't leverage his privilege, but he hasn't really given up his privilege. He ran away from it to save his life. And he's got a pretty good gig right now. He's got a wife and a child and a job. And he's out tending the sheep. And I want to suggest to you that the passage we read today is the very beginning of the Exodus. It is the beginning of Moses' call, and sometimes it can give us a clue as to where we might begin to walk by faith, to live by faith. And it might surprise you that the thing I'm going to talk about is Moses' curiosity. I think Moses' call begins with him being curious. I want to play a little clip. It's about a minute and a half long from, which is just a funny little thing about curiosity. Perhaps some of you have seen it before. Quote by Walt Whitman, 
painted on the wall that says, be curious, not judgmental. All right. So I get back in my car, I'm driving to work, and all of a sudden it hits me. All them folks used to belittle me. Not a single one of them was curious. You know, they thought that everything all figured out, so they judged everything. They judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. Who I was had nothing to do with it. Because <laughs> if they were curious, they would ask questions. Hmm? Questions like, have you played a lot of dark? Little Ted Lasso lesson on curiosity. <laughs> but here's what I want to leave you with today. Maybe, just maybe, curiosity is a spiritual discipline. Maybe, just maybe, that moment when Moses decided to turn aside and look at this strange thing. I mean, God. Moses wasn't in a worship service. He wasn't gathered. Moses was everyday life, working hard, doing the thing. He could have very easily tended more to business as usual than this unusual thing he saw. I often think about, what if Moses had just said, huh, that's weird. But he didn't. He turned aside. The prequel to Moses leveraging his privilege on behalf of those who were suffering was just a little bit of curiosity. What if, what if maybe curiosity is the nudge of the Holy Spirit towards a life living by faith? I like little mantras, and one of mine is, turn your furious into curious. What if you got curious about the things and the people you're angry with? What if you got curious about the things you're afraid of? What if you turned aside when something piqued your curiosity? I wonder if, like Moses, you might hear the voice of God calling your name. Moses' call is personal, just like so many in the Bible. Samuel, Samuel, Mary, Paul, Paul. Your call will be personal. And it is always about people. We are agents of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are instruments of God's love and justice. God needed Moses because God heard the cries of God's people, and God needed Moses to do his work. 
And God is calling each of us. I know, I know people, I don't really have a calling. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. And if you get curious and you turn aside and you attend to that thing that seems strange to you or upsetting, instead of just tending to business as usual, I imagine you might discern it. As Paul says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. To live by faith is to discern how God is calling you to embody love in this world. Sometimes it's a call for some people to stand up and speak out. For others, it's a call to sit down and listen. Nobody's call, nobody's living by faith looks like anybody else's. What makes you curious? Will you turn aside? Will you listen? And will you discern how faith is expressing itself through love, through you. Amen.